What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself The Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and and talk talk about about it. it. Thank you so much for joining us once again for the world's only Wire podcast. The Wire, it's a show about white people trying to learn Ebonics. That is what it's about. I believe uh, they're called Ebalmics. Oh, that's right. Ebalmics because Balmer. Very yeah. good. Yeah, they had that a website it. about that called Ebalms World. I should have stopped wow. at the last one. Wow. But, you, know. you almost convinced me, though, that you didn't come up with the pun that there was a website you were looking at. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. old enough for all of this. <laughs> <laughs> that's always yes. the tagline on our shows. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm old enough for all of this is is our rating, technically. Um, but uh, yes, five stars in a review on all of the podcast platforms and apps. Uh, please, please do that. That's very nice and helps us. It makes me feel good. All right. Today, Vince and I and a very special guest are talking about from season one of The Wire, episode seven, One Arrest. And our guest today... Oh, you have heard him on The Young Turks. Uh, He has a great show on TikTok called Good Morning Bad News and a wonderful podcast called Power Report. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone else, our guest today is Dan from the Internet. Hello, humans. Good to be with you all. Good to have you, Dan. Thank you so much for for coming on the pod to talk about uh, The Wire with us. I I think you're our first guest that has like a legit gaming chair that you do the yeah. podcast from. It's not even that I game. It's just because the secret tip is that the gaming chairs are by far the most comfortable. 
Yeah, it's true. It's true. I I bought one for Francesca because I was like, you know, I know you don't game, but you do stream. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I feel like you need to be comfy. And mostly I just I just sit in it because I like to I like to game. I mean, here's <laughs> the thing. I mean, you don't That's need marriage. That's what marriage is. Marriage is buying your significant other a gift that you use mostly. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's that's love, really. Like that one year when you got her a DVD of The Matrix? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just so I could watch The Matrix, like AJ Soprano. The Matrix. I haven't seen it yet. What up, Arelli? But so, Dan, uh, tell us, do you like The Wire? Yes, I do. Uh, the Wire is in let's call this in this phase of the pandemic um the <laughs> wire has been that show i've gone back to so it wasn't an early pandemic show my early pandemic show was king of the hill uh mm -hmm. one of the greatest shows of all time you should yes. definitely do a pod yourself with the king of the hill except that'll <laughs> that's 12 seasons so it'll never end yes but no no so i want to binge watch the wire mostly because i am of the age to where i missed out on a lot of like prestige tv mm. and I am unfortunately or fortunately or mostly unfortunately on the mm -hmm. internet with a bunch of people who um, are politically brain broken and they've <laughs> been through shows like um, The Wire or The West Wing and they were experiencing those things as they came out. The closest thing I can think to that is maybe Euphoria or Game of Thrones is like a yeah. moment in TV where people would, you know, talk about it. The, Monday after and it would be like a big thing and so yeah. I, I think the best way to kind of experience that kind of TV now is to binge it and just go through it kind of ignorant to what's happening in society yes. right now but also a little bit with that lens and so when mm. I heard that y'all were doing a wire rewatch I'm like oh wow this is this is this is what I was literally born to do All, only this <laughs> so born when you say born when because you do seem young like significantly younger than both Vince and I um are can I are you uh 23 no I'm 26 I was born in 96 Jesus Christ you're just a baby you just have to, we're we're so old, Vince. You know, Vince and I were twenty six at one point. That's true. Yeah, long time ago. I, I just want to point that what out. Is this Nixon? <laughs> yeah, that was like during the time of Nixon. Mm -hmm. No, it's uh, it's interesting because I do feel like when the show was out, it wasn't as much like people were like, "Wow, so this is we're getting like you know the real inside look." into city politics and like the, how the police work. I feel like people thought it was still fantasy. Um, whereas like now I feel like this younger generation sees it and goes, oh yeah, this is the most real ass fucking show about uh, crime and punishment that has ever existed. I definitely think when it came out, people probably assumed it was specifically about Baltimore and like didn't yes. apply to them. And now it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's kind of like everywhere. Like th this might be, you know, exacerbated or, or worse in Baltimore, but you kind of watch it and you're like, yeah, that's probably applies to most places. Yeah. I was, I was talking to someone recently, uh, who is from Baltimore and, um, uh, he was, uh, he's a white guy from Baltimore. And I said, uh, oh, Baltimore. Cool. Uh, you, you ever seen the wire, which they probably get a lot. And it was probably the most annoying question <laughs> for the people of Baltimore. But, uh, he was like, yeah, no, I've seen it. You know, it's a good show, but uh, I don't think it really reflects well on our city. And I was like, well, first of all, <laughs> it's not just about Baltimore. It's, that's that's every major u city in the United States. I don't like Batman because it really puts Gotham in a bad name. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just, 
Let me tell you, anytime I'm watching a any of the Batman films or any of the superhero films, mm-hmm. I'm just looking like a property adjuster. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, all these superheroes do is just cause a lot of property damage here. Yeah, I mean, honestly. it's really, I think yeah. there might need to be like a superhero flight to just like <laughs> get away from the superhero scenes out to the suburbs because there's never yeah. any superhero <laughs> movies out in the suburbs. My, <laughs> my property value there. is going to go down because of this. Yeah, my property value in Metropolis is plummeting. Yeah, um, that's where Superman's from, Metropolis. Yep, yep. Did I just... Okay, good. Sometimes I don't know if I know about superhero shit. Mm-hmm. No, you do. Um, but yeah, I, I, that, that is kind of... That's like the perfect example because it really is. It's just like, it doesn't make us look good. And when the show, uh, The Wire was coming out, there were like, you know, city officials in Baltimore who were just like, this does not represent our beautiful city and these are all people who are in elected positions <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, what do they say about the police department what are they, like yeah are they right. worry about the depiction about the police department or anything like yeah, that yeah they're like nope none of this has happened and and in this episode in particular i feel like there are these moments uh where i'm like not only do i assume this is a thing that happens but i this is we know for a fact that like when bird is in the box in this uh episode and they take a picture of him to show the jury so he doesn't look worse than when he came in and then they rip that picture up and beat the shit out of him while he is handcuffed like this is literally things that we know have happened <laughs> in uh the baltimore police department so it's uh I don't know. To say that it makes the city look bad is just, just like, I think it just makes the city look like it looks. It's like saying a mirror makes you look bad. I mean, if you live in a city that doesn't get uh, national news a lot, like I do currently, like you do get a little bit defensive when it makes it out to uh, the broader national con- consciousness because <laughs> it's almost never for a good reason. Like there's no, that's true. There's no like mid-sized American city that suddenly is on the front page where it's like, Oh, that place is cool. It's always for like a reason, you know, of corruption or something like this. But, but like, that's the thing I've ever understood is that if you're in small town America, I grew up as a coastal elite. I was just literally born that way. But like, <laughs> if, if you're living in that area, you should just like nothing on the news is good. You should just be happy that you're on the board. No, that's yeah. how I feel about it. Yeah. Although, I, because Vince, you have a very specific gripe, though, because since you are from Fresno and people know literally nothing about Fresno like you i understand why you defend fresno because you're not defending like the fresno police you're defending people like against allegations from people like me who are like isn't fresno mostly just chinese food buffets and meth (laughs) it's just weird it's because it's like i can say like if you ask me about it i'll say pretty much universally bad things but Mm -hmm. uh it's like i feel like you have to know it at least a little bit like if if, when it's just from a person who like drove through like a shitty corner and they're like oh yeah that place is all this and that and then you're like on the one hand you're like yeah but like you can't say that i can say yeah, that. yeah you're not allowed to say that even yeah. though like i went to fresno the first time i went i went for a wedding that was catered by subway so i was like well <laughs> this is this seems right um, yeah, I, I just i just love the idea of vince being on the fresno tourism board fresno at least we're not madera yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty much it yeah we're not bakersfield hooray yeah hey isn't that cool yeah but this is not a podcast about mid-sized california central valley cities no <laughs> this is a podcast about the wire and we cannot start the podcast without first playing the theme song Pod. Through the garden, you better pod. Your back. 
Should I beg your pod? Podcast. Pod. The Wire. You gotta keep the devil. Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else to date, we are talking about season one, episode seven of The Wire, One Arrest, which premiered on July 14th, 2002. Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that HBO Max synopsis? Mm, Yes, I love synopses written by the people at HBO Max, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially this one. Rawls wants to do Jimmy so hard it makes Vince Mancini's mouth water. Oh come on, that couldn't yeah. have been written by the <laughs> that people. was them. Yep. It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, so that's the episode. And what was happening at the time that this episode came out? That's right, Matt. Uh, we cannot evaluate uh, art divorced from its cultural context, and we're going to put some of that cultural context back in with a little thing we call the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day. Machine tells the tale, son. Yeah. That's right. We're going all the way back to July 14th, 2002. Uh, So many things were going on. Uh, Dan was six years old. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) In other news, um, French President Jacques Chirac escaped an assassination attempt uh, by wow. by a man described as an emotionally disturbed neo-Nazi. So he wasn't just a neo-Nazi. He was one of those like <laughs> unstable ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Wolf. Mm-hmm. Yes, you don't you don't want to like get them confused with the ones who like really got their shit together. You yeah. know, you can't paint with a broad brush when it comes to Nazis. They mm-hmm. hate that. Uh, the man pulled a fully loaded rifle from a guitar case and fired one shot before he was wrestled to the ground. Um, damn, he, he, he tried to do a desperado. That uh, sure, and uh, he was a Fender, a Gibson. What yeah, kind what of kind of, does it say? What kind of guitar it was? Was it a PRS? <laughs> That'd be sick. You can't shoot someone with yeah. those. That's too too expensive. Yeah, it's got the cool little eagles. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He uh, because it's France. He spent a whopping seven years in prison. Um, and in <laughs> uh, rules, yeah, and got in, Xbox Live while he was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Started a Twitch stream. He's doing good now. He's got a bigger Patreon than we do. This, this it explained a lot of the rhetoric I heard on Xbox Live around those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, all those neo Nazis in French jails just they just, just got playing out. Halo and saying Halo, racial yeah. slurs. Uh, in 2000, oh, this is my favorite bullet point from the Wikipedia page. In 2011, he released an autobiogra- autobiography titled "A Normal Life." I wanted to kill Jacques Chirac. That is that does sound like a normal life mm-hmm, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's um, sort of like the guy who sorry, it's sort of like the guy who um tried to assassinate Reagan who now has like a normal music career now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Matt's he's his actually, biggest fan. Yeah, I he's great. Mm-hmm. hmm Sure. Um in other news, we got stocks are a sliding. Um, and the big big headline from New York Times, retirement, a casualty of stock slide. 
as the owners of an Atlanta advertising agency that billed $40 million a year, Jim and Jan Pringle were featured in a cover article in Inc. Magazine asking, what's the best time to retire? <laughs> in January 2000, with the Dow well above 10000 they were confident they had picked the right time. They took more than $2 million that they had made from selling their company and bought stocks. Their broker encouraged them to take a month in Europe. Instead, they moved to South Carolina, where they began building a dream house on the beach. The Pringles have since lost about 75% of their investment. Far from taking any trips to Europe, they have done what they vowed never to do, mortgaged their house and gone back to work. Oh, I thought it was going to be stop, because once you pop, you can't stop when it comes to Pringles. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Pringles are like that. Uh Uh I'm so stupid. Lord. Uh, um so wait was the this was 2002 yeah the stock market had a like a little slippy poo after the whole um 9-11 aru thing that yeah happened. well enron and the first dot-com bust and, yeah uh, yeah worldcom world world star oh, wait worldcom world um, star <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, Fairly Odd Parents was just coming on at this time in my mm-hmm. world. This is also very important. Yeah, I, th- I think you're missing. Yeah, some yes. SpongeBob episodes, really the bangers, the ones that are all memes now. Uh-huh. These yes. SpongeBob episodes were airing at this time. Oh, it man. was the golden age of SpongeBob. That's, That's right. true. Truly, uh, that should be in there. Um, so, in related news, um, the uh, corporate problems have put President into offensive and defensive roles. Uh, he's on the one hand, he's scolding the corporations for doing bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, he's fending off questions about 1990 deal mystery. Who bought Bush's shares in Harkin? Uh, hmm. It is a stock market whodunit that has withstood a decade of scrutiny. Who bought George W. Bush's oil company stock just before its value dropped? The 1990 transaction involving shares of Harkin Energy Corps allowed the future president to pay off a bank loan for his now famous $600,000 stake in the Texas Rangers baseball team. Uh, hmm. Federal regulators who examined the deal as a possible insider trade never asked. Bush says he doesn't know, and the White House declines to ask the broker who handled the transaction. Kind of amazing, because this is like, I don't remember this scandal at all. Nope. Yeah. This one really, I mean, it kind of makes you think, is that why Bush did 9-11? You know, it, it, you'd think. That's probably why. That's probably so why he did it. And also $600,000 for a stake in a baseball team? I feel like we could do that. <laughs> we need like five more Patreons or 105 more. I don't, I'm not really good at math. but We a would lot need more. a lot of more Patreons, but yeah. I feel like it's not It's not as expensive as I thought it would be. Then again, it's the 90s. Well, you just, he, so, they so, said a stake. They didn't say the whole team. Like, it could be yeah, just but like a stake. 1% of the baseball team. Well, you got Trump free. sold stakes? Yeah. yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. No, no, but, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you get free tickets. Right? If you're a stakeholder, you're like, you probably get a box. I don't know. Depends how big your stake is. So, like, when Trump was getting elected, there was this whole deal about, oh, you need to divest your assets. You need Mm -hmm. to not have any hold of them whatsoever. Uh, This is the first time I'm hearing old W had a stake in a baseball team. Like, I know this is America, but did we not (laughs) go, okay, okay, listen, buddy, you you can't. (laughs) There's a conflict of interest between you on opening day uh, answering phone calls. Yeah, like, right. As the commander it, in chief, also throwing out the pitch. Like, I think he was pretty sure he was done with the baseball before he became president, but I'm sure he had you know a million other things that were super relevant. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love it. it's like no, That's no. Wild. I I'll I'll divest from my baseball team, but uh, we're keeping those shares in Halliburton. Yep, we're <laughs> we're gonna keep those going. Yeah, the McDonald Douglas ones will stay. Um, 
and and here's one from the arts world, which uh, <laughs> feels oh, like love a, art. feels like a sign of the times. Let me tell you. Uh, headline: Springsteen protects his new CDs online in an old-fashioned way. While the music industry scrambles to keep albums off internet before they reach stores, one highly successful artist has managed to skirt online piracy with a surprisingly low technology solution. The it artist only releases. Uh, cassette tapes. <laughs> yeah, you got, the artist, Bruce Springsteen, who has released six CDs of material in the internet era with another album on the way this month, has thwarted pre-release file shares not through digital protection or online policing, but with an old-fashioned lock-and-key approach. In the weeks before a release, his albums barely see the light of day, frustrating not only downloaders, but even music critics and other industry insiders who cannot put their hands on his work. On July 30th, Mr. Springsteen will introduce The Rising, his much-awaited first studio album with the E Street Band since 1984 on Columbia Records. So, I love they keep calling him Mr. Springsteen. Like, please, please, Mr. Springsteen was my father. <laughs> Call me the boss. Call me the boss, please. <laughs> wait, so wait, what is his plan here? How does it, by lock and key? Yeah, just keeping it under wraps for as long as possible. And as we all know, uh the rising who could forget that uh much remembered critical i don't remember this album Acclaim. at all i don't but, know this yeah. album at all but it was probably sick yeah it was on on my music podcast audio face it was one of our classics of the thousands no no not at all um, <laughs> i i will say that listen this is a big problem with rappers today how their stuff gets leaked all the time so maybe mm -hmm. they might want to do this lock and key approach just yes. uh george rr R. martin it just decide hey we're air gapping the studio i don't mm -hmm. want no ethernet cables no wi-fi you know i just uh i just droned out a cell tower down the street there's no possible yes. way this is leaking at all like n yeah. nobody you're getting padded down for usb drives is then yeah. this the, everything's be airtight i don't yeah, think you can even do that anymore can you like now wouldn't doesn't like half of their editing software probably like it's run, all internet based. yeah it's all it's all cloud-based so like there's basically i mean someone could probably hack that and figure it out i don't really know i mean i works, think nowadays I think people just don't care as much because i mean now there's it's there's no more like illegal theft of music as much as there is like legal theft of music right. where it's like yeah you're not going to make anything off of that uh recording anyway really other right because spotify is going like, to pay you 0.01 cent for every thousand downloads so yeah. uh get a patreon that's what i say yeah get a patreon see that's what the boss should have done mm -hmm. get a patreon uh, but that's been i feel like we're fully contextualized now now that we know that springsteen was not letting people hear his cds and uh and bush had uh stole uh, stole well sold some sock at least yeah probably stole it too oh it's good to know um speaking of not letting people hear songs um <laughs> this is now the seventh episode of uh our brand new the wire podcast and as a lot of you have noticed and have yelled at me online about um rather than playing the uh balmer b story to uh the guest and my co-host vince i've just been tacking it on at the end um i've i've heard you and um, now I we will be going back to me telling you what the Balmer B stories are. Oh, okay. So um, this week the Balmer B stories for the episode one arrest. Um, but da 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 Making my way downtown with Kima and McNulty. I'm a snitch now. Hell yeah. I'm a snitch. 
And I kill you And then I'll plunder If I could draw Out Barksdale's guys Get one arrest For Avon's crimes Cause you know I'd steal A thousand bottles If I could just That's Omar. Omar's okay, singing yeah. it. I like when you tell us which perspective you're singing from. Yeah, just people need to know that's that's Omar singing about stealing a thousand vials. That's Anyways. Cute. I like it. You can hear the full song at the end of this episode. Although, why would you? It's terrible. And I chose that song because it came out in 2002 and so did this season. So uh, that's why... Um, yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about this episode. Um, this is the episode, uh, in which they show that there are two ways to do police work. Um, the strategic way, uh, or the gypsy way mm -hmm. and both have their merits. Um, but one is actually effective. Uh, so tell me general thoughts, Vince, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I mean, ever since we started this show, I feel like there's always been at least one Twitter reply. Who's like, I don't know. Uh, does the wire hold up? Isn't it copaganda? Uh, blah blah blah. Right. And um, I guess I guess this episode is maybe like the closest that the wire gets to being copaganda. Like if you just watched this episode in the in absence of in a vacuum, like completely without the context of other episodes. Uh, you know, like the the cops they're coming together to sort of solve this murder, and they're doing good police work uh and then there's the scene where they handcuff bird to the table and then kick the shit out of him and it's kind of played as like a heartwarming moment and i mm -hmm. think like in another show that would be sort of uh like this is this is cool that the cops are doing that but i don't think the wire was meant to be taken that way ever yes. like i don't i think when they wrote it they you weren't supposed to be like oh that's cool that they kick the shit out of bird it's right. more just you know morally neutral about it like this is just the kind of thing that happens in a police station um, yeah so yeah. yeah i thought it was I, I i don't know the writing in this episode like on a, in a on a macro level i think is great like some of the dialogue doesn't land in this one it feels weird and stilted at times but uh you know overall like it's moving the broader story along and i and i still enjoyed all of it totally i thought i had the same thought i was like in a vacuum this is the episode where if you only saw this, you would think that because I, I wrote down specifically the police make a good, smart plan for once. Mm -hmm. So that taking in conjunction with them doing police brutality, it yeah, does like kind four, of four of them make a good plan. And then like the entire uh, leadership apparatus is like at odds with them. So, right. Right. But uh, Dan, did you, uh, did you like this episode? Yeah, I, this is, the wiriest wire episode perhaps <laughs> of the of the first season i would say as I, yeah. I think it encapsulates a lot of those first season reactions like in my rewatch i'm just finished the second season so i'm on to my third so i'm about like halfway through the entire series over overall mm -hmm. and not to skip too far ahead but like there are aspects of season two where i kind of missed the pacing the 
kind of candor and the demeanor that you got from like the original like one season crew like season two does its own things but there's mm-hmm. something about season one how that pacing goes like i think it's just a charm when you're watching the first season of a show especially an hbo show which i believe they all have are essentially the same format just a bunch of different characters copy pasted onto them almost like a disney pixar film right but, right like, sure I, I i believe there is an hbo format but no i really enjoy this episode um i love the very beginning the most yes oh you mean like the cold open oh absolutely like like i like when you're talking about oh tell me your favorite part of this episode i'm like mm-hmm. busting two minute two seconds into the clip right i'm like yes. oh no this one right here this is my this is my shit no. you mean yes. the one um, with the uh want to go in when they're decoding like the, the 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 pit jargon yeah exactly and uh prez all of a sudden becomes <laughs> like a hood expert over here yes i love that i love that. not only that like Prez, you know, he sort of becomes uh, a sympathetic character by being the guy who can figure out this stuff. And then he does, and then he illustrates why he can do this by uh, comparing it to the Rolling Stones song about yes. like a slave owner <laughs> fucking his slaves. Brown sugar. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, which is another, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about the wire and like, you know, things that don't age well, so to speak, I mm-hmm. mean, that is a major example like sure i mean like the rolling stone song that's there like they keep trying to argue around it and saying that oh it's meant to be an allegory of slavery it's like um not not meant to cover all of those different aspects of things it's even though it's very much written like every sort of rock song that is i'm chasing this girl who's probably a little bit underage and mm-hmm. i'm gonna like look over the shoulders and make sure the parents aren't noticing it's got yeah. that vibe of a song to it yeah. but he, I think even the um, frontman of the Running Stones said, "Oh, in reality, I would never write this song again." Right? right. Yeah, of course. It is. It, it's, it, and it makes it almost like a perfect example for Prez. <laughs> well, because like, yeah, Mick Jagger can't like write. Uh, I mean, it's sort of a song that has uh, like social import kind of thing, but like because it's Mick Jagger singing, it's like Beavers can only build dams kind of thing like Mick Jagger can only sing about wanting to fuck something and so right. like like he can't like he can't Mick Jagger can't like sing the hurricane because it's it would be just about him wanting to fuck that guy like that's yeah, just fuck, all fuck a boxer who <laughs> yeah. was wrongfully accused yeah like he can't yeah. he can't he can't make the, that kind of song without right. people it, just it's hard it, to, having that implication automatically yeah it is hard to make your song about slavery into like an important political anthem when you sing as horny as you do yeah, yeah. when it's pro- and yeah well i don't know what album that was on but i probably was on the one where like the, the album cover is just a close-up of his dick uh in jeans <laughs> and it's called sticky fingers like <laughs> <laughs> like it's the, the subtext of all the songs is like i'm cum. gonna come <laughs> but yeah the, That's what the they cold... call moves like Jagger, apparently. Ew. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the cold open, I thought, was, I completely agree. It was just like another hilarious wire sketch. Long man strapped, Joe. He on the way down. We gonna start fresh on the latest tomorrow. Down from up north. Yeah, you always talking about some guy named Loman who's down with strep. Like he's sick. <laughs> and the last part is something about how he's gonna start up a fashion lady or some shit. Fashion lady? He's... <laughs> he's gonna start up a fashion lady is i mean you know he heard what he heard you can't say something about like 
Oh, forgive me, I'm not familiar with the tower dialects. <laughs> Fluent in the Perkins, Holmes, and Latrobe Tower dialects, but I haven't quite mastered the Franklin Towers. He's saying they're sold out in the low rises, so tomorrow they're gonna start fresh with a new package. Damn, how y'all hear it so good? Gold Coast slave ship bound for cotton fields, sold in a market down in New Orleans. The fuck is that? Rolling Stones. First two lines to brown sugar. I used to put my head to the stereo speaker and play that record over and over. That explains a lot, actually. <laughs> Held his ear up against Mick Jagger's yes. uh, songs that are yeah. loosely related around black women and slavery. Right. Yeah. And chattel slavery. Just, just listening to Mick Jagger. I listened to a British guy that, do a black set in a song in the 60s, and now, and now I now understand. And now I'm invited to the cookout. Now, yes, now I'm, now I'm cookout. <laughs> and then I love when they also, like, uh, you see the pager code, and they're like, flip it over. Turn it upside down. Four hash marks in a row, one for each G-pack. Low for low rises. Twelve for the time. S for stinkum. He flips it over and it just says boobless. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is my favorite thing to do with a calculator. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was a great cold open. And, um, and then we get into uh, the episode. I've split this up into... Uh, like I would say three parts. Uh, one is kind of like Jimmy and the gypsy, which is just, uh, the story of, uh, Jimmy trying to, you know, uh, solve his cases. Meanwhile, Santangelo is, um, being pressured to snitch on him by Rawls and decides instead to solve a case. Um, and then also the next segment would be one arrest. This is, um, just kind of all the police work that, they are doing and the detail in order to this is their smart plan to uh to kind of get some more information without revealing the wire and then finally uh it is the um nincompoops anonymous section uh in which we see uh bubbles and johnny going to an na meeting and bubbles kind of being touched by it and johnny mm -hmm. being like this uh this is not this sucks i want to do some heroin Yes, yeah, this this is way I worse like than heroin. We all bring our own uh, you know, a little bit of baggage to this episode. Like for me, I really like reading the Santangelo storyline as just every stereotype about Italians where it's like, Yeah, he's kinda dumb and not good at solving crimes, but he's also very superstitious and loyal <laughs> to a fault and yes. uh, you know, wins the day at the end. Yes. I I loved the Santangelo storyline in this. Um I loved the way they weaved it in to uh the main storyline. I love the way it's just it's got a perfect <laughs> arc. Um so w let's start with that. Um Santangelo and Rawls uh are at odds right now because Rawls is, you know, trying to get Santangelo to basically screw over Jimmy beyond just regular snitching he's trying to get something to fire Jimmy to to which is like you know hard to do if you're a cop see so, also prez yes exactly <laughs> yeah and um he gives him a choice which i think is the funniest thing about his storyline <laughs> yeah. his choice is you either help me get some dirt on McNulty or um could you just do the thing that I literally pay you to do, which is to solve murders? And he's yeah. like, oh, man, that's impossible. It's not my job to fuck another cop. Tell you what, detective, I'm going to be so fucking fair. I'm going to give you the choice. Either bring me something on McNulty or go out there and do your job. Pick a file, any file. Major cop. 
Pick a murder and solve it. Or bring me McNulty. There's no third choice. My experience in like corporate America has essentially be this. It's either, oh, hey, yeah. either you do like the cut rate, uh, dirty, like, pol not even like that dirty, honestly, but like, you know, just the nakedly political thing that does Office nothing politics. for the company's bo bottom line, yes. like makes me look good. Mm -hmm. Or I'd have you just do your bare minimum at your job. Yeah. And you're yeah, like, exactly. oh, clutch my pearls. Heavens, yeah. God, no, not the job. <laughs> not the job. <laughs> yeah. Hating the job is such an important facet of the job that you're just like no i can't i don't know if i can do this anymore um and uh it's it's great watching him kind of like you see santangelo with like a manila folder at his desk and he's just like you know step one is open the file and he's just like what am i gonna do <laughs> and uh and jay uh their their sergeant um Jay Landsman looks such, over and uh, again, just such an interesting character that they just made the homicide, uh, whatever chief, like this grotesque satyr, uh, who comes in <laughs> and he's eating like a fucking, like a, like a wet sandwich or something. He's eating like this disgusting sandwich. All I could, all I could pay attention to in that scene was the soggy piece of bread in his hand that he keeps gesturing with and just, just like soaked yeah soaked in, soaked i don't know something. what it's like it's like he went swimming with it and <laughs> yeah. got out he showered with the sandwich yeah. he's holding the wettest sandwich known to man and he is just ripping on santangelo and i i have a a clip of that can't go outside and play till your homework's done huh can't do shit till i clear this case for rolls how old is it old and cold <laughs> Well then, my friend, you are double fucked. <laughs> give me the card. You sick heartless bastard. Come on, come on, give me the card. She was a gypsy woman. She was a gypsy woman. Madam fucking LaRue, Jay. Better men than you have turned to this lucky lady in their dark night at dead ends. <laughs> You're not serious. I don't joke when it comes to Madame LaRue. The woman, she has an unexplainable gift in matters of death investigation. She transcends the rational. Give her a call. Like, I'd love that he is in this position in which, like, I mean, he's literally the sergeant. He wants the stats, too. Right. And he's like, but I don't want the stats more than I want to see if this idiot will, will go to this gypsy woman. And so... <laughs> I love the intro part. for it. That's where the other cop was looking at him like, you sadistic bastard. He's <laughs> that's really, he is the, like, for, for those of you who are familiar with certain corners of the internet, like, he is the ugly bastard of the show as far as, like, ugly bastard hentai goes. Like, he is just the guy <laughs> who just comes in there to just, like, ruin everyone's day. But, like, he literally gets, like, a sick sadistic thrill of it. And, again, in a typical HBO fashion, by this point in the season, you're rooting for him, too, because you get that sadistic thrill as the viewer to Yes. Watch him just like hopelessly go to this, um, like a truth seer, like seer mm -hmm. beyond the dead, like lady going <laughs> yeah. like, okay, if you bury this doll and like do it for one hour, no more, no less, and then come back, you will then have your answers. And, and to not like do an officer involved shooting at the entire point, like <laughs> goes to it's a, actually like an amazing amount of restraint. It just goes to a psychic who, uh, ha who has such powers of ESP that she doesn't realize a guy named Santangelo is Italian. You're Irish, no? Italian. 
San Angelo. Oh, I love it. I love when he, <laughs> when, when he mis uh, ethnicized. I don't know what you call it. Mis misracializes. That's San racism. It's, it, it's, it's anti Italian hatred, Matt. It I is. Like to call it out. That's it's right. anti Italian discrimination. San Angelo, early martyr, patron saint of Licata, Italy, prayed for his killer with a knife still in him. She's like, like she does the thing that I do when I'm giving uh, nicknames, like on the eight dollar Patreon tier, where I just sort of mm -hmm. like do uh, a string of word associations. She's like, oh, Sant'Angelo, Saint Angelo, he's the saint of, and then just makes up some bullshit right. and gives yeah, him a little yeah. doll. And you're not really sure. I wish if... she would have given him a troll doll. I'm like, here's Saint Angelo. <laughs> like, go, just got a just gem in its hair. belly button. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Romans murdered hair. him because he had a diamond in his belly button. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay, you're going to take this troll doll, you're going to comb its hair for one full hour, then you're going <laughs> to whisper to it, you're nothing to me, you little fucking troll, you're fucking no worthless. And then, in about three days, a man will come, he will be shaped as a troll doll, he'll shoot you in the head, you'll die, but then, we bury your body, and your ghost comes back and tell us, uh, what, what, what did you need again? <laughs> what? It, uh, <laughs> sorry, I I, I lost That'll be eighty myself. bucks. <laughs> That'll be eighty dollars. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Um, and the fact that he actually does it is also just—it's beautiful. Yeah. I love because it's either that or do police work. Yes, I mean he's he doesn't know what step one is for any of these cold cases, which I assume would be I don't know re-canvas the witnesses. I don't know. Find one with some witnesses. And yeah. Try. <laughs> And uh, instead, he's like, "No, I'll, I'll do some, uh, you know, some light vandalism at a graveyard if it'll get me a, some sort of uh, wizard magic that tells me who did the murder." Sure, but uh, ultimately, it is meant to show some loyalty because this yes. is like an episode where McNulty is like, "Yo, uh, fuck up all the fake friends where the real friends at." Like to do a exactly. random Drake reference all of a sudden, like he just doesn't <laughs> trust anyone, right? And so yes. he. This is an example where you're like seeing outside the McNulty character. All right, there are people who are willing to stick themselves through their version of the mud, so to speak. I mean, like, right. there's actual police work being done by McNulty. This is just cold cases here that eventually right. McNulty ends up solving. But it shows this guy's willing to go through the motions to at least that's going through the motions and humiliating himself is option one to fucking over McNulty as opposed <laughs> to it being option Fucking over McNulty being option one. That shows right. some loyalty there. Yeah, and and I think McNulty at this point in uh, the season is realizing how much he is being used by kind of everyone around him. You got a friend here. All due respect, I'm starting to worry more about the people who claim to love me than the ones that don't. Yeah, to me that's a, just a weird scene. Like I, I mean, I understand the part where Judge Phelan wants to fuck Rhonda, which I appreciated. Um, yeah, sure. But uh Well, the rest he doesn't of it just is... want to fuck. He wants to put a fuck into her. Right. right. I like well, that. Throw I'm which, sorry. Uh, throw a fuck into her, mm -hmm. which, which implies can... distance fucking, which I appreciate. I would love to throw a fuck into her. Red hair, freckles. It, it feels again like ugly bastard hentai, but why go in those poor translations? Like I'm going to throw a fuck into her. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I I'm not entirely sure why so horny in the scene, mm. and also not entirely sure why Jimmy doesn't kind of like Jimmy gets a little butt hurt at this scene. He's a little bit just like um, 
he's mad that Phelan is busting his balls, which I thought kind of strange. He's like, I don't know. You seem to enjoy getting your balls busted. Yeah. I mean, it's complicated because like he's sort of pissed at Phelan for uh, constantly burning him on yeah. um, uh, on like giving him inside information. But then he keeps giving him inside information anyway. And then you throw the complication of Jimmy being uh, sort of butthurt that uh, Phelan is talking shit on his grammar of all things where Jimmy's always his thing is like wanting to be the smartest guy all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. They, it's like they tried to give too much at the same time. And then there's like that weird uh, Rhonda does like the Marvel dialogue where she's kind of just like looks at the camera and she's like, well, that just happened. I think I'll go see a man about a dog. I don't know. I don't consider that the, Oh, so that happened, but I did consider that a awkward. Yeah. Which, it's like she's she's reacting as if the other two people aren't in the room and they pretend not to hear her kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah. yeah anyways, it's a, it's a scene in which um, Jimmy makes it clear that he's getting more and more suspicious that um, his plan, which is to use everyone around him for his own <laughs> uh, gains, is backfiring and that everyone is using him. And Santangelo seems to actually be the one person who, despite using him... Uh, early on in this season, you know, feeding Rawls information. Now he's decided it's too much and he is actually going to do something fairly selfless in terms of like he's, he'd rather bury a, you know, a gypsy doll instead of a uh, snitch on a fellow cop. Um, like, what I think is one of the be- beauty of this part of the wire is that you're seeing how despite not because of but despite everyone's competing interests and uh individualistic Mm -hmm. uh pursuits Mm -hmm. in this uh business in this world of policing it's so as this microcosm of capitalism so to speak occasionally good things can happen right Right. despite everyone chasing their own interests these cases are able to get solved there is some like police work that's able to get done they're able to like get further towards um, solving these murders and addressing these cases. So I think that's kind of what um, Simon, that's that's the creator guy, right? Like he's he's yeah. trying to get at with the whole, at least in this part of the episode or this part of the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's sort of like the whole fiction sort of about possibilities. And so it's like not necessarily like realistic that you'd have this McNulty guy who was super smart and like solving all these things. It's like, that's kind of the part that you want to believe where like, what if, there was a guy there who was able to solve all this shit, even in spite of, uh, you know, all these like political bureaucracy. thing, bureaucracy, like going completely against him. Yeah. Despite your regrettable Irish ancestry, occasionally that you do something correct. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the, I, the tangential thing also is a great, um, uh, it's a great thread to watch in contrast to the actual police work that, uh, Jimmy and Bunker doing regarding the Willie Gant murder. Um, so they like, they're doing their regular like canvassing around uh, investigating the murder and then they help an old lady uh, with her shopping cart in order to get her to spill some info, which she does. She gives them details of, you know, how far away the shooter was. Um, kind of. That, a- was, that was also weird too because she's like, th- it's sort of like they made a point that she knows they're cops, like she's too smart for them and it's like, yeah, he had a fucking gun on. He's wearing a, a button-up shirt with a pistol on his hip. Like, how, of yeah. course she knows they're cops. 
Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think she just wanted to let them know, like, I know you're cops, so if we're if you're going to, you know, try to squeeze me for information, um, let's please do it inside. Yeah. That was my yeah. guess is what was going on. Um, but she doesn't actually, you know, want to, she's not going to testify. She's not going to, you know, identify bird as the shooter, um, herself, but they do have Omar's potential testimony to do that. So bunk and McNulty go to a bar and these are some of my favorite fucking scenes <laughs> in the, yeah. cause I love drunk bunk. If I, mm -hmm. If I could just hang out with Wendell Pierce for one night at a bar, <laughs> I think it would make my life. He's he's a wild card. He's yeah. a wild card. He's just so he's his level of horny is the smoothest bumbling horny man I've ever seen. Um, and I have a I have a clip of uh, them together at the bar. One, yeah, make it all up. Rub them together like that. <laughs> <laughs> God bless him. I also Girl. feel like there wasn't a lot of like realistic tail chasing on uh, television in 2002. Like, yes. it would always be, you know, women that are like models and yes. like over the top attractive because that's who actors, that's the yes. pool that actors are pulling from usually. But like the, the wire clearly like went above and beyond and went out of their way to get like realistic looking people to be in this yes. show. And it feels like pretty realistic to like what they would actually be doing at a bar where. Yeah. yeah. Like, like the, the, the hot girl that they're after isn't like, she's not m model level hot. She's like a mom. She's like a hot mom, mm -hmm. but like not even a, like you're just like, like I don't know what the scales. Like a slutty looking mom who would be out at a bar on a Wednesday at like yes. midnight. <laughs> Yeah, and I love I love just from afar telling someone to rub their titties together. <laughs> it's just so fucking funny. And it's the kind of thing you'd see at like a, maybe a Halloween in Fresno, maybe. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky, you know. <laughs> I do feel like Fresno probably has like uh, I feel like a high caliber of like lot lizard. Oh, you yeah. know, it's, it's like it's like yeah. that level of hot, and then like that level of like bar behavior. I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, and and it's a they're all cops at the bar. That's what <laughs> yeah. I assume. And, 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 and again, at least it's not Madeira. So we're we're still we're still having <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. You are lucky for that. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, all this talk about rubbing them together and ugly bastard hentai. I need a break. Um, mm. So mm. if you guys want to pause, rub them together, maybe play some. <laughs> Ads, that'd be yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Let's uh, let's take a small break for some products and services that you may enjoy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
Okay, we are back. Thank you, Brent. Love you, buddy. Um, so, uh, again, uh, we're we're back at the bar uh, with Bunk and McNulty, and they have, I think, the if we're doing favorite, least favorite, my favorite scene in this episode is McNulty explaining to Bunk why he respects him. And uh, I have a clip. You know why I respect you so much, Bunk? Mm-mm. It's not because you're good police, because, you know, fuck that, right? Mm-hmm. Fuck that, yeah. <laughs> it's not because when I came to Homicide, you taught me all kinds of cool shit about, well, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Whatever. It's because when it came time for you to fuck me, you were very gentle. Yeah, right. See, because you could have hauled me out of the garage and just bent me over the hood of a radio car. And... No, you were, you were very gentle. I knew it was your first time. <laughs> I wanted to make that shit special. It was, man. It fucking was. I mean, the ability for Bunk to yes and this very homoerotic scenario is uh, it's just wonderful. Just yeah. Mm. So the, like the fucking that they're that he's talking about here. I mean, the wire is always going above and beyond in terms of what it expects you to like, what context it expects you to bring from like past episodes and mm-hmm. uh, just the general welcome to hbo yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> uh, th- yeah everybody does this now but i feel like nobody was doing this when the wire came out and everybody was just sort of baffled by it at the time but like the specific fucking he's talking about i assume he's talking about like when uh bunk went on tv to do that press conference where they said like the guy was definitely not a witness what like what's the specific fucking that's happening here um i i'm still trying to fully understand what the fucking is i think part of the fucking um is the that bunk is essentially pressuring jimmy to get rawls his clearance and kind of you know stop this nonsense Mm. um just get him this clearance on um Willie Gant and all the all the arrests that aren't gonna you know hold water at trial. He's kind of telling him he you need to do this and then you need to kiss his ass in order to remain safe. Because at the end of the day, what Bunk is doing is about his own self interest as well, which is that like he McNulty is a great detective partner. He's good at solving crimes, and he doesn't want to be dragged down if something were to happen to to jimmy and so i assume that he's just telling him you know we you gotta you gotta stop all this like burning rolls nonsense there's also like the question of like what would actually be better for society to have mcnulty doing because like the way the show kind of structures it it like sets us up to root for mcnulty to take down this like drug uh, this drug organization, like Avon Barksdale's drug organization, but like, mm-hmm. how many times does ev- that ever work out for the better? It's like the cops, th- like when when they when you take down a cartel, usually it creates like a power vacuum where like more yeah, people the, start the shooting other each other, becomes stronger. Yeah, and then and- the, you just basically you know you get a different drug cartel in there. So, uh, yeah. like, wouldn't it be probably better for everyone if he stayed like solving murders since he's good at actually 
solving murder. I don't know. It's uh, I mean, it's a little ambiguous, which I guess is perfect for the 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 story that the wire is telling about police work. And I, it's also, I think, leaving it open to the fact that Bunk is kind of warning McNulty, like, listen, like, Jimmy, you're going to hit a certain level of where this goes, where you're going to realize that this is above your control. This is yeah. above mm-hmm. your power to really make a difference. This isn't about you solving a case, all right? Like, this is this is like high level shit here. Right? Yeah, like, right. this is... I, I, think, I, I think that's what he's trying to warn him about like hey kid i see you being all like uh boy wonder i'm gonna save the world all optimistic right. you don't you, you don't know the game yet you, you you still think this is baseball this is football right mm-hmm. like it's like you're doing this crossword puzzle because it makes you feel good to fill in all the bubbles but like once you get done with that like what are you gonna get out of it like you need to yeah you need to keep your job uh and not and, and not I, yeah Bunk says as much actually in in later episodes um, to Jimmy about like how um, and I think Freeman has the the same kind of ethos, which is the job will not save you. Um, And, you know, there's no amount of, you know, it's like it's again, uh, it's like addiction. It's one is too many. A thousand is never enough. It's just like this is. None of this is going to fill the hole that's in your soul, <laughs> yeah. you know. The, the you might want to build your so... kids' bed uh, and yeah. uh, go to their soccer game instead of doing whatever you're doing right now. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, uh, this is one of the problems of the Irish being impervious to therapy. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, the the stakes, at least for Jimmy and for the audience watching now, is like, no, I want to watch Jimmy. You know, I want to watch him bring down the 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 organization yes. and and the collateral damage of also making every other cop and high, you know, fucking fat cat in either City Hall or like the fucking, you know, deputy ops, all those fools look like idiots. Yeah. And so you kind of are rooting for him for mm-hmm. to uh, accomplish both of these things. Yeah, you're rooting for that that amount of schadenfreude without caring about like the greater implications of whether like taking out the Barksdale gang actually does any good on yeah. in the grand sense of it. And so in terms of taking out the Barksdale gang, uh, in this episode, um, we get some real good use of the wire. You know, the wire just came up last episode uh you know it took six episodes for them to actually put a wire up in the show called the wire but they did it and they're getting some good info um you know right now they're they've had this plan that freeman kind of like beat it out where he was just like we're gonna we're gonna tail stink them we know because of the wire uh and because we cracked the code um how how much drugs he's gonna have in the car and where he's going and what time he's gonna be there and um so we're going to snatch the re-up, snatch the money, but we're not going to arrest Stink and we're going to let him get away because we don't want to burn the wire. And uh, the plan kind of goes off without a hitch. Uh, they end up arresting this kid with an eye patch who turns <laughs> out to be the kid that Prez uh, blinded a few yeah. episodes ago. And uh, you see this look on Prez's face when he comes into, like, the basement where the detail is set up, where he's just like, oh, boy, how embarrassing this is for me. That's the, that's the child I blinded. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Daniels is like, oh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the good cop here. <laughs> yeah. 
You hungry? Ham and cheese, too? I want a Reese's, yo. Peanut butter cup? Drink? Tea in the can. You got it. Motherfucker can't even look at me. Let's say we start over on this. The game already cost you, right? More than it should have, I know. Whose fault is that? His. Ours. Mine, maybe. Thing is, I feel like I owe you something here. So I'm asking how you want to carry this. You want to get out? You want to do something else with the rest of your years? You come see me. Motherfucker thinking he can pimp me over a candy bar. He has fucking nothing to give the kid at all. <laughs> That's other not than, true. Other than fatherly Reese's, advice. Reese's Pieces and tea in a can. Yeah. And they're out of the tea, so they gave him an <laughs> orange soda. <laughs> Um, and I have, but again, uh, that the show is pro police. The show is pro police. Yeah, you know, see, that's the thing about this show is that like it's it takes a nuanced view of the police in terms of like everyone is playing. There, no one is playing their parts in any self-aware manner. There's no character that's like the voice of God or like the yes. sociologist. Like no one's or giving the audience. You, no one's just giving you the grand insight that they're trying to convey with the show to the audience. It's all yeah. just like characters that are here's a complete, bunch of villains, yeah, completely yes. self-interested and like largely incompetent at what they're trying to do. Yes, yes. Like just the uh, face of Lance Reddick. Like you expect him. Like when you see that guy, you're like, well, this guy clearly knows what's going on. This guy is gonna give this kid like some good advice, and he he certainly has something to offer this kid. And then he gets in there, and it's like, no, he had a fucking orange slice and a business card, and that's what he thought was his bargaining chip. Yes, I, and what's great about it is that his like, you know, hey, if you ever want to get out of this game. Call me, and you'll do what? <laughs> yeah, like, um, what are you gonna do? If you're internship, gonna, unless, you're, unless, uh, unless you're gonna adopt the kid, like short of that. No, you know what he's going to do. Like literally, his thing is like, you know, if you ever want to get out of this game, um, if could you snitch on some fools <laughs> yeah. so that yeah. so that we could get more clearance? My cousin could teach you how to box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, and I love it because the kid says, you know, this fool trying to pimp me for a candy bar. And I'm like, yes, that is he's yeah. he's not yeah. wrong. And on like the one level, like having the kid that Presbo blinded be the kid that they steal the re-up from. Like, yeah, that is like a bit of a stretch uh, dramatically. Like it's a bit of sure. a, it's a bit of a coincidence to write in there for like in terms of uh, creative license. But like it's great that they don't let you enjoy the uh rehabilitation rehabilitation of presbo as a character for more than like 10 minutes before they're like oh no here's the kid that he blinded from uh two episodes right. ago true yes um and daniels i think has a great little b story in this episode the next time you see daniels he goes to a fancy party um he goes to like a democratic party party uh with his wife marla and uh, it's a five hundred dollar a plate uh, fundraising dinner. Well, is we got- like, is this this is the parody world of like the pol- p- political games. Like you don't see the yeah. drugs here, but you kind of see some hints of the world mm-hmm. of crime and politics, kind of hinting out in this part too. Well, the mayor might recognize my song. For the rest, I pretty much need B of I photos. You're not wrong, Lieutenant. In this state, there's a thin line between campaign posters and photo arrays 
And then like at this party, it's the same thing with Daniels. It's like you expect, like they're setting you up for Daniels to be the only like down to earth, non, non like ruthless political animal at this party. And he sort of is, but like, then he spends the entire party, like just big dicking this guy, this guy day day, like kind of for no reason other than just like to feel this weird feeling of superiority uh, over yeah. this guy. Like he just, he just goes in there and like, he has to, he takes great pains to let this guy know that he's a cop and he could fuck him uh, over if he wanted for, for yeah, basically him, no reason. He gave him such a good opening though, dude. Oh, yeah. You know, he gave him a great one. I have a, I have a clip of that. Who are you driving for? Marla Daniels. Mm, mm, mm. I love to crack this hair crib. Good day's work. What about the alarm system? Shit, I wire that weak ass thing back on itself. Pull the truck up, bust through those French doors. That'll work. Yes, indeed. Said most of this good shit around the way, but some of it, like that art and all, I might have to run it up New York. Name's Damien Price, but I mostly go by Day Day. Who said you Davis? But I mostly go by Lieutenant. By the way, um, uh, Daniels is doing a black scent when he's talking to Day Day, which is like super fucking, it's so warped when you think about it because like as soon as he gets in there, he's like pretending to be a driver. And he says, instead of what about the alarm system? He goes, what about the alarm system? And then he goes, that it worked. And it's like, man, you are. It's an you- incredible nuance there because like there's, if, for, for for people of color, especially who are mixed, they know this like code switching thing of like mm-hmm. how you around your like uh once racial side of your family versus the other racial side of your sure. family. Sure, but like there's a class thing too. Like yes. there's a there's an I'm interacting with like the hood class versus I'm interacting with um the fresh prince of Bel Air, so to speak. Right, right, it's, sure. It's it, it, it's that different switching there that I'm amazed that for a show that didn't really focus on you know the strength of its acting quality you know there mm-hmm. were some heavy hitting moments right there and i think that was one of those good nuances but yes yeah dude like that's you 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 don't openly talk about at this event with these like heavy hitting political people like oh yeah here's how i would do it oh yeah here's my business card for crime like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I i do kind of disagree with that point where like he was unnecessarily big dicking him about loot i mean like come that it was a little bit of a West Wing style Sorkin esque bit of writing, yes, but it was yes. a little bit like a come on. Come, mm-hmm. he, he was giving him the opportunity there, based on how it was written. Sure, he gave yeah. him an opening for a for a great bit, and also you know maybe Lieutenant is like his code name in the gang world. No, he <laughs> knew he was a cop immediately. Also, Short for loot, get it? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Donnell Rawlings for uh, playing the part of Day Day. I I love him. He's a hilarious comedian. You've seen him on like, you know, the Chappelle show and shit like that. Fucking great. Um, So uh, after, you know, Stinkum is not arrested, but got pretty close, gets jacked by the cops. Avon decides to close the pit, calls in D, tells him like someone is snitching um, that can that can be the only reason why we are, you know, constantly dealing with like either if it's not the. If it's not Omar and his stick-up crew, it's the cops. Someone's got to be talking. And um, so in an abundance of caution, he decides we're going to close down the pit for a while. And um, Which is great because like you have to wonder what the HBO execs were. There had to be some notes where they're like, all right, 
you got this show called The Wire. You're going to take mm-hmm. six episodes before we actually get a wire. And then The Wire itself is going to be gone within uh, like three quarters of an episode. Like that's how long yes. it's going to last before we pull the fucking thing out. Oh, I love it. I, I, I think it's I think it's great because that is, you know, to me, that's what makes the show good is mm-hmm. a show about The Wire in which it's just like. I think it's because it's based on the assumption that everyone has about like, you know, hey, they could be wearing a wire. And this show is about like, do you know how fucking hard it is to get a wire? <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, like <laughs> you said, the wire. Yeah. yeah. You can't keep a wire in this fucking. Yeah. And then like, and like you said, like you see this episode, like they're doing all this good police work and they have all this these good plans about why they're not going to take down stink. They're just going to take down the runner because they don't want to have to show PC and like it all goes off without a hitch. And then like five minutes later, it's like they fucking yank the things anyway. Yes. Yeah. It's really, I mean, uh, it's, it's what makes the show great. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. Um, and so yeah, um, string and we bay go to the pit and uh, he talks to Bodie and uh, Poot and D and says, like, you know. How often y'all changing the stash? Oh, every night since we got Jack. Anybody on the team getting high? Nah, man, just the old touts. I got no cell phones, no house phones, neither, right? Nah, man, nothing but these pages and them pay boxes over there to sit. All right, tear them motherfuckers up. What? From now on, y'all need a pay phone, you walk a few blocks, and do not use the same phone more than once a day. You hear me, right? Done. You really do see that, like, there's a reason that the Barksdale organization has been able to operate and get so big and so strong um, while remaining completely under the radar for so long. I mean, this season really, you know, this series opens with the only person who knows about this downtown is McNulty and literally every policeman from the lowest, you know, fucking officer to the deputy ops is like, who the fuck is Avon Barksdale? Well, it's because they actually do worry about shit like, oh man, there could be a wire. What they don't know is the majority of that time, they actually didn't need to be that careful (laughs) because- It's impossible to get the city to do that shit, especially a city that is uh, essentially bankrupt. Um, So, and then they do a sting. And I think what I love about this scene with the sting, where they're just waiting for Bird, is watching all of the different undercover uh, disguises they all decide to wear. Like watching (laughs) uh, (laughs) Freeman's idea of like going undercover is just being kind of like, the same guy with like kind of a worse shirt and drunk. <laughs> yeah. I and uh and then when um Bubbles like we got the whole ensemble here. Bubbles sees Bird and they do the hat trick, puts the red hat on him. It's their way of saying that's who Bird is. And then uh and then <laughs> Freeman just smashes him in the head with a 40 and arrests him and I have a just a quick clip. Hey, short A is just so (laughs) great. Hit him with the Hennessy. So, yeah. I feel like the um, one, you know, arguably copaganda 
uh, element of this episode is that they just made Bird like the most unsympathetic character that you could possibly imagine. Like, but by far like the mm. most irredeemable. Because most of the most of the criminals in the show, even D'Angelo, who at this point we're, we've been led to believe like murders women in cold blood and like mm-hmm. is kind of a coward who shot a guy like in a in the lobby of of the projects. Like D'Angelo is like pretty sympathetic for the most totally. part. Like he seems like a guy that you that has. Uh, intelligent thoughts and and mm-hmm. and is introspective and you could see yourself hanging out with but then you got bird who is just you know calling everyone slurs and is completely mm-hmm. unlikable to anyone uh and is played by the guy from onyx who's like who's who's claimed to fame as being able to mean mug really well yeah yeah i mean i have kind of a different take on bird um like yes he is played as unsympathetic for sure but he's also played as incredibly astute at doing a read on people Mm -hmm. because despite the fact that um kima had to like straight up tell people in the police you know her police co-workers that she was gay he knows immediately Mm. and starts just using a bunch of slurs Fuck you, fat man. That gun is downstairs now in the ballistics lab. It comes back on a dead state's witness, and you're gonna see death row. Suck my dick, dyke cunt. Last chance to grab a little something for yourself on a deal. Eat my shit first, you downtown white whore. Yeah, that's right. Take this ugly ass cunt eater with you too. He reads Jay, calls him a fat fuck. I he mean, reads it's Kima. Not, it's not a tough read. Yeah, Jay, <laughs> I'll admit, easiest read. <laughs> Then Kima, which I, it was like, he's got excellent gaydar at the very least. Um, and then he calls Jimmy a white whore. He calls him a downtown white whore, which is, yeah, that's yeah. what Jimmy is. How did yeah. he know that? It's like he could smell his dirty dick from three feet away. He's like, I know you're disgusting. This so, is just barbershop banter, honestly. Like the, sometimes you're just like talking shit on someone, and it's like all jokes or whatever. But no, these this was rapid fire, like straight from the clip. The dude knew how to throw him. Yeah, yes, I mean, sometimes did. your first read is the correct one, though. Like he's he's not troubled by like that second level, like maybe and caveats and that shit. He's like he's shooting from the hip, and he's like he's hitting the target every time. He, we evolved every time. this far. We evolved this far because the gut check kind of works. Yeah, right? like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I just like props to his character for being to me more than just kind of like this menacing, mean mugging, unsympathetic gangster. Like he's also astute. So you got to give he credit. Is, where credit but he is definitely due. like they 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 almost work overtime to make you not feel bad that the cops are going to kick the shit out of him. Uh, but also, I mean, I, I sort of, but I also do think that like the way the actor delivered the line, you know, like y'all cuff, man, you gonna at least give me a fair chance, right? Yo, come on, man, don't do me like that, man. That to me made it a much more dark and sure. less like it's. The catharsis, I think you think the audience is feeling. I'm not sure if they do. I think they're looking at that and going, Jesus. Right. They're yeah. not even, they're just going to all beat the shit out of him. And he's not even. But, but, but they're, all, they're also kind of saying it is like, oh, we have evidence that we have the gun that was used to kill this innocent right. person True. who was here. And like, 
listen, you may not get justice. You may be able to like weasel out of this or whatever. But tonight, in the words of Hank Hill, we're kicking your ass. <laughs> and, like, it's just. I, it, in the words I, of Hank Hill. Please, <laughs> yes, we need more King of the Hill references on this show. <laughs> Honestly, uh, um, that that, ladies and gentlemen, and then everyone else is a callback. But no, mm-hmm. I this is this is the cop part I really wanted to get to because yeah, definitely in a vacuum, it is the part where, and it's one of the parts where they're glorifying. Hey, listen, they solve crimes, and sometimes they're imperfect, and they are shitty husbands, and they get drunk, and they drunk drive, and they talk about uh, firing their gun at pigeons mm-hmm. in front of their wives and shit, or like farming <laughs> in front of their wives and shit. Like, yes. like, these are terrible people, and you know what? Every time they get into, every once in a while, they wrestle with the um, convicts, right? But you know what? Yeah. At the end of the day, these are good people too. It's sort right. of, you, it, you can read that way with some aspects of the show but Mm -hmm. i also think like i was watching starship troopers recently again like as a Mm -hmm. zoomer not having any context to that and i was like wait like major newspapers actually thought this was celebrating fascism (laughs) right this is like all these people are miserable their lives are terrible to the extent that they have lives yes they are short and terrible and filled with like a the the noticeable like depicted absence of joy that Mm -hmm. we would normally get like they are as miserable and as like devoid of character as some of the criminals that are depicted in the show right and i think yes. that's one of the beauties of the wire is that it kind of puts everyone on a level playing field so it's a, yes. lo- it's a much more complex depiction than just saying like oh it's like cops are good it's just all propaganda right. it's like no it's a very complicated depiction that yeah you could argue is maybe like very long-winded maybe at times but it's it's important to show that dynamic and to continually show that not fall into uh the culture war discourse yeah. trademark yeah. of 20 years later right 100 percent. yeah i do feel like it is important to take the show like when you have these like individual storylines uh you know these a plot and b plots of an individual episode you can't look at that alone and go oh, well, this is, you know, this is the pro-cop part or Mm -hmm. the, you know, the copaganda. It's like, I don't know how you watch this show without looking at it from a macro level. I mean, I think think at worst they were doing what Team America World Police did in that Mm -hmm. monologue where they're like, pussies hate dicks because dicks fuck pussies, but dicks also fuck assholes. assholes. Yeah, (laughs) which was sort of like the brilliant... uh, sort of takedown of like this entire like the way this entire plot structure works in general Mm -hmm. which is like oh yeah jack bauer might stab an old lady in the arm but he's gonna find out who is doing terrorism kind of thing yeah right so it's justified so it's okay yeah (laughs) yeah right yeah as said by a drunk man in a fucking (laughs) in a A bar drunk disgusting man who just climbed out of a pool with his sandwich for some reason uh, yeah and is now talking about jacking his limp dick off to a child Um, so they beat up the bird gets beat up. And, um, meanwhile, uh, bunk is kind of grilling Omar on why he's witnessing on bird. And then you find out that, um, Omar knows bunk from high school. They actually went to the same high school. And I love this scene because it's just like, there's something about 
the reminiscing about lacrosse that they have. That I mean, I'm there's a whole like, can of worms that you're that they're opening there. Like you're like, oh god, like okay, so what was this school? Was this a mm-hmm. private school? Were both Bunk and uh, Omar going to the same? private school and then like what no no i mean they I, were I, they were public school kids. right but then like who the like they have lacrosse at public school in baltimore that's wild too i could see that i could see that especially if like every other like dc area maryland area yeah, prep it is maryland. school yeah it's maryland every there's like all the private schools and prep schools and shit have lacrosse and they probably were like oh here's a publicly funded lacrosse team and you know that's uh I don't know. I I feel like that that rings true to me. And no, it I does, a- and I liked it just because it it sort of opens up the story to like all these associations and interpretations that you could make just based on this one like b- fairly believable uh, connection that they have. Yeah, I have a clip of that. So why'd you step up on this? Bird trifling, basically, killing everyday working man and all. I mean, don't get it twisted. I do some dirt too, but I ain't never put my gun on nobody who wasn't in the game. A man must have a code. Oh, no doubt. Hey, man, I know you from somewhere. Yeah? You go to Edmondson, right? Yeah, you was ahead of me. I remember you was the first brother I ever seen play that sport with a stick. Uh, what's it called? Lacrosse, man. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was all Metro Attack. Prep school boys used to pee themselves when they see the old bunk coming at them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So look here, homie. Seeing as how you being all charitable with your recollections, what else you got in the way of open murders? Going to Barksdale? Going anywhere. How far back you want me to go? As far as you need. Murder stay murder. So at that point... We find out that uh, Omar ends up giving Bunk this murder of is an open murder of someone named uh, Denise Redding, uh, Nisi, as he calls her. And uh, uh, we see the Santangelo plot come back in, I think, a really like elegant, hilarious mm-hmm. way in which they call him up and tell him that uh, basically it's down, this other open murder that he has. What's nice about it is that it's not the one he was working on. It was some other random yeah. open murder that he happened to be assigned to. And, um, well, it's, and it's, it's, yeah. it's like, uh, this is a long time ago callback, but when we were talking about Inside Lewin Davis on the broadcast, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, it's one of my favorite movies, and there's, like, the cat that might be magical in that yeah, movie. Magic cats. And, yeah, magic And yeah. Brett says, like, every movie should have a magical cat. Like, yes. this murder is, like, the magical cat of this episode. Like, he, yes. like, there's, like, it's always good. It's great to do, like, really grounded fiction, but, like, when you give people the hint that there is, like, this other sort of, cosmic level that it's operating mm-hmm. on like it's always so much better because it allows you s- to sort of you know dream suspend, of possibilities suspend disbelief yes. for a little bit and you know and and also the fact is is that this isn't a magical cat and and i think that is but it, one of the yeah what well, is one of the more uh i don't know this is what i liked about it was that santangelo shows up and he starts thanking jay his sergeant, like, oh, thank you for, you know, <laughs> for introducing me to that gypsy. Madame fucking LaRue. I 
gotta thank you, Jaybird. You saved my fucking life here. The only thing I can't figure is I asked for help on the Lindsay case, not this one. Fuck the gypsy shit. These are the guys that saved your ass right here. Hey, Jimmy. We gotta talk, man. I'm I'm shocked that he he needed someone to say that to him. It's like, yeah, bro, obviously it wasn't the gypsy magic. Yeah. The guy that goes to the gypsy in the per, in the first place needs someone there to say like, hey, it wasn't the gypsy actually. So he tells Jimmy we need to talk, and then the uh, final scene um, is Jimmy goes to Rhonda's house, all sad, drunken fuck on a Tuesday night. Is, is it is it Wednesday morning? I'm not drunk. It's Rawls. He's going after my badge. What? They're gonna do me, Ronnie. They're gonna do me. I love this fucking job. They're gonna do me. I think he wants to do her because he's like, well, if I'm gonna get done, I would like to at least get done. I mean, just classic fuckboy maneuvers that you yeah, really get laid though, by being sad. This is the most fuckboy thing ever is him showing up and just being like, man, I love this job and they're going to take it away from me. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. You want to have sex with my Jewish pussy? And then, and then he's like, you hide it. I do want to have sex with your Jew pussy. You killed Christ. So an Irishman. They're trying to take my job. I had a pot of gold and I hid it for years. (laughs) And now they're trying to take it from me. Yes. So they, they, I assume they fuck. Um, So that, that ends that storyline. The final um, uh, storyline is uh, real quick. Johnny Weeks is in court for his arrest. Um, Bubble shows up with Kima, and she's actually able to help Johnny stay out of jail if he agrees to drug court, which is... um, which is a real thing. And also, um, I think this for me remains, and The Wire in general remains, the most accurate depiction of the jails and institutions and 12-step programs that actually exist for addicts in cities. Um, I've said this before, but in most TV and movies that I've watched, including The Sopranos, they just don't know how to do NA. They don't mm. know how to do 12-step meetings. Um, they they make the 12-step meetings feel like kind of a way of moving a particular plot point around. It's a way of doing exposition, kind of the same way therapy is a way of doing exposition. It's only just for moving plot points. The therapy is useless other than just um, exposition for yourself yes. and moving plot points for yourself otherwise. You could just 100... get a writer, hire a writer, and just do what a therapist would do right. otherwise. Right, be more entertaining. And sell to Netflix. (laughs) Exactly. That is literally like it's one of the things that drives me crazy. As someone who goes to twelve step meetings, is like you wonder, like, what just have? There's got to be one person who's an addict on the writing staff, or who's a producer who's like, no, that's not what they look like. This show actually shows what NA meetings look like. Like they are these. You know, not all of them, of course, there's a lot of different places, but they're usually in a kind of like community center, a bunch of fold out chairs, and they are the most like cross section of every kind of person in society. Uh, Like you see like your fucking middle class white boy there. You see people who are, um, you know, they came in from a rehab bus. You see like uh, neighborhood people, like every race, every gender every age and they're sitting around 
some are looking bored, some are some are into it, and uh, they're listening to you know Steve Earle <laughs> t- talking about how his uh, his addiction is uh, you know doing push-ups, waiting for his chance to get him uh, high again. Well, hell y'all, I'll know I'm Waylon and I'm an addict. Hey, and the fact is that I want to be clean today more than I want to be high. I know that's all right. It's good to be here. It's good to be anywhere clean. Even Balmer. I've been cleaned a few 24 hours now, and I'm still dead certain that my disease wants me dead. Yeah, I'm in here with y'all talking shit about how strong I am, how strong I feel, but my disease is out there in that parking lot doing push-ups on steroids, waiting for the chance to kick my ass up and down the street again. Yeah, who's clearly like, this is this is like his, uh, his outlet for like his natural... Um, scat man uh thing that he's always wanted to be where he's doing this sort of mm-hmm. uh spoken word uh stand-up comedy slash like slam poetry thing in the middle yeah. of it it's a great character because it feels like they i mean you're hearing shit that you do here at meetings all the time and, and it's not just the fucking platitudes that you would hear on like the sopranos um like his share feels like it was a real share mm-hmm. and um but it's got jokes in it that you can tell that or, like you can tell like yeah. this is a story that he's told seven or eight times at least exactly before. exactly yeah. that was the other thing the share did feel like oh yeah he gets invited to uh lead a lot of meetings because people like he's got a lot of clean time and he's funny and interesting and everyone wants him to be uh their sponsor um and they also do one thing that I really, really love was that when Bubbles, he gets his just for today chip, which is the, you know, the one that's like you either have 24 hours um, or a sincere desire to live and um, and he gets his chip. And there is something real about like that smile that you have when when a room full of people clap for you for wanting to be clean, you do feel kind of good about mm. it. So I loved that. That for me personally, that was great. I also loved all of Johnny's reactions to um, Waylon's share, which was just like every time he was like, you know, I lost, uh, lost a good wife, a bad girlfriend, you know, my kids, and Johnny has this look like, ugh, could never be me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as if, as if like his life is fucking great. Like he's seeing vulnerability and he's acting exactly as you would. If you were an addict, which is like, fuck this. I'm just here for someone to sign my court card. <laughs> um, and then they shoot up again and Bubble signs his, his court card for him. And I think that, again, shows that addiction, it's like a high and low process for people who right. have been through it or people who have been around people who are through it. And mm. y- you ultimately see Bubs as like a multifaceted character. Yeah. Well. Like, he's just like. He has different motives. A lot of those motives are kind of pure. A lot of those motives are like the the, the next dumb little heist, <laughs> the yeah. next silly little adventure to get yeah. the next high. Like, it's um, really it, it, just, it just depends. He's a dreamer at the end of the day. You know, it's like he he dreams not only of like whatever his next fucking heist is. Right. You know, you know, I'm going to steal the copper back from the wall and then we're going to sell it again. But he also is like. He's taking that 24-hour chip with the dream of someday, you know, being able to celebrate it for realsies. So uh, it makes him an interesting uh, and multidimensional character. 
um, more so than Johnny is, who just kind of is um, a bumbling idiot. Um, yeah. And also, you know, for as two-dimensional as or one-dimensional as Johnny is, he does remind me of a lot of addicts that I've known. Well, plus he's in, he's younger. Like Bubs is getting to the age where yeah. you might realistically be like, "Hey, this is going to be True. hard for me." Whereas Johnny's, he's young. He doesn't hasn't started worrying about that shit as much yet. Yeah, he's he's still green. He's still That's, green. It's a fair depiction. Yeah. 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 Um, but you can tell it's planted a little bit of a seed with Bubbles. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, there's a place I can go if I decide I I don't want to live like this anymore. Yeah, and Steve Earle's there. Um, yeah, and I guess um if I had to give this episode a letter grade, which I do because I've set that standard for myself, I think I would give it a B plus. Yeah, Vince, what would you give this episode? I think I genuinely would give this a B plus. Oh, okay. All right. This is genuinely uh, like a pretty solid but not perfect episode of The Wire. Absolutely. Uh, Dan, what would you give this episode of The Wire? B plus is pretty solid. That was about how I achieved at um, this time when I was a kid. In yeah, you were a B plus six, student at in sixth grade. B plus, <laughs> you're, absolutely. You're, you're getting I, your I, letter I in, grades. I was in the gifted programs and I've been screwed ever since. <laughs> <laughs> So a B-plus episode of The Wire and an A-plus episode of Pod Yourself The Wire. Dan from the internet, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking The Wire with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's really fun. Yeah. So where can people find you on the the old internet? Oh, God. I do too much. Um, Just follow me at Dan from the web on Twitter for all the things I do, whether it's Good Morning Bad News, whether it's appearances on TYT or all the other things, whether it's Power Report for political stuff or on Twitch where I live stream every week or Audio Face where I talk about music. It's sort of a similar cultural thing to this as well. Um, I'm doing all all those things. Just follow me at Dan from the web on Twitter to keep track of all all that wonderful stuff. Hell yeah. Follow him, Dan from the web, on all of the platforms. Thank you so much for coming, Dan. Patreon.com slash broadcast for all of the bonus episodes. The uh, $8 tier gets you a gangster name. (laughs) And we have a few this week. Vince, Mm. are you ready to help these new patrons out? Yes, yes. Okay, first is AJ Guzman. AJ? That's not a name, that's just letters. We're going to call this guy Alphabet. Ooh, okay, sick. All right. Next is Alberto Del Rio Medina. Yeah, we call this guy Quattro because he's got four names. Four names, Quattro's a That's good. Next is Charlie McFarland. Uh, yeah, we call this guy uh, the Mick. Yeah, that's, yeah. That works, because McFarland, yeah. Uh, Tim Purcell. Hmm, Purcell. Uh, yeah, we call we call this guy uh, the, the battery. Okay. <laughs> I was sounds- thinking the same thing, too, like Duracell. <laughs> yeah, Duracell. There, there we go. Trusted everywhere. <laughs> and two more, Carl Thiessen. I think it's Thiessen. I mean, I know it's Thiessen. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, whew. Um, we call him the Green Man. Why? It's just it, I know I know that guy, and it's a okay. <laughs> this is my brother-in-law, and uh, he does he does a bit with my friend's three-year-old where he pretends to puke money. Don't ask me how he came up with this bit, 
and uh, and the three year old started calling him the Green Man because he throws up money. And uh, I love it. Apparently, that kids love pretend vomit. Uh, don't ask me. How, they love it. Yeah, how he knew that or why? Well, yeah. thank you for throwing up some money on our Patreon. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the Green Man. Okay. Yeah. It works. And finally, Travis Jacobson. We call this guy Iceland. Because what is it? That sounds like a. Viking I think it would name. have to be S E N for it to be. You know what? They don't. The, the listeners don't know how it's spelled. They don't have. That's the, true. They don't have the Google Doc in front of them. All right. Fair enough, Travis. Uh, what'd you call him? Iceland. 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 Okay. <laughs> We're gonna call him Travis Iceland yep. Jacobson. And <laughs> that is all of the eight dollar patrons for this week. Um, if you want to have your name shouted out on the podcast and given a cool gangster name, patreon.com slash broadcast. And if you haven't heard your name yet, don't worry, it's coming. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Making my way downtown Kima and McNulty, I'm a snitch now. Hell yeah. I'm a snitch. Staring blankly ahead, just looking for bird, looking for bird in the towers. And I'll haunt you. And I kill you. And then I'll blunder. If I could try. Jimmy, Precious, and Angelos to start snitching. Angelo is stressed, he's doing his best. Jay Lansman sends him to a gypsy. Rosal, do you? Yeah, he'll screw you. It makes me wonder. Well, Major Jimmy's wire or will a gypsy soul a cold case fire yeah bitch you know rolls would lose a thousand trials we could go from red to black Eat a buddy B
Chucky titties. If I could fuck, if I could suck a whole milk titty, and then I take the milk and make some dairy products with it, I would make some ice cream from kitty milk, and it would be thick and nutritious. Fuck, fuck, sucky, fucky, fucky, sucky, fuck, fuck. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.